0: Episode 3 of the Spiritual Journey Podcast. You are bait on a hook. Hi there, I'm Chris McGregor and you're listening to the Spiritual Journey Podcast, a production of Discerning Hearts. With a discerning heart and a broken foot, join me as we ascend the mountain, cross the desert and seek to survive the storms and earthquakes and fires, which are a part of the many challenges in our quest in the spiritual life to do whatever he tells us. Welcome back to the Spiritual Journey Podcast. I'm Chris McGregor. And we find ourselves about at the midway point of Lent. And hopefully we're having the opportunity to really ponder at least maybe, what, five minutes a day, at the very, very least, hopefully maybe 15 minutes, how about a half hour, even an hour on the great mysteries of our faith by either praying the scriptural rosary or the scriptural stations of the cross. It's always wonderful in this time, this season, to really connect our private devotions to the word of God. I've spoken before, there is a powerful grace that affects us way below our emotions, way below the level of feeling. It's that space where grace really touches our hearts in unseen ways. And when we connect our private devotions with a direct encounter with the Word of God found in the sacred scriptures, it can be very, very powerful we really encounter the mystery of God. We wonder, why do things happen the way they happen? Why does God allow certain things to occur? And it seems like a mystery to us. You know, this is not the particular episode that I wanted to address all suffering, but the mystery, potentially, of why certain things happen and why sometimes we're just not always going to understand. And in the Stations of the Cross, in the Sorrowful Mysteries of the Rosary, we ponder the great Paschal Mystery of Jesus Christ. And why are we called to experience that ourselves in our own lives, and how we can unite the sufferings that occur in our lives, how we are called to unite that to Jesus Christ. And some of us are called to unite to it in a particular way through the mystery of martyrdom. And actually what we're talking about is what it is to be completely open and obedient to the will of God. And what does that obedience and that surrender look like today? And how we may not always understand the great mystery of the Father's will. So I bring forward to you today a conversation I had with the Spirit Catholic Morning Show. Bruce McGregor, my husband and his co-host Jen Brown. And then afterwards, I'm going to have a recommendation for you for a little book that is absolutely phenomenal and helping us to listen even more deeply to that peak moment in all of salvation history where the word on the cross speaks to you and to me. But first, here's that conversation on the Spirit Morning Show. And we get to talk about
1: something very powerful this morning, the saints today, Perpetua and Felicity, and
0: a powerful subject because they're both, they're martyrs. Martyrdom, it can be kind of a mystery to many of us. Why would God allow that? And why does that need to occur? And yet it becomes such a source, a fuel, essentially, for the spread of the faith, like a fire. Perpetua has always touched my heart in a special way because she was 22 when she died. I was 22 when I married Bruce but that was entering into a new life. And in prepping for this, I had gotten up, was looking online, and came across a story. It caught my eye in a, such a sad way because it was the story of the four missionaries of charity who were killed in Yemen. Mm. It, the reason it sank a little deeper is because I had just spoken with Monsignor Essif, who had just about a year or so ago had conducted a retreat for those sisters. Oh my goodness. And in the story, Monsignor had shared their experience, because to be a missionary of charity and to go to Yemen, it was a very, very difficult, and it is a very difficult place to be put in. So in this retreat of these sisters, one of them came to him and was just kind of agitated because she said, you know, we take care of their sick, we take care of their poor and their elders. and..." And they spit on us, Monsignor. They throw rocks at us. They hit us with sticks. And she really didn't like it. And ultimately, she would discern out and she would be moved okay, from that location. But she just didn't like it. Another sister in that group came to him and shared the story. Well, we take care of their sick and we take care of their elderly. And this old man came up to me and started hitting me in the face with a stick and I just took that stick from him, and I just kind of tapped him on the head. And, and she, she was so filled with joy. She goes, I went right back and continued serving. And he said, the thing is, she was so filled with joy and, and was so accepting and so prepared. And that was Sister Regina from Wanda. And the other day, they didn't hit her with a stick. No, they hit her with a machete and chopped her head off and uh, mutilated her body along with the other four sisters and the 14 other elderly people that they were caring for in that home. <laughs> They're martyrs, mm-hmm. you know. That's This is what it looks like. And they would not have gone anywhere else, mm-hmm. unlike the one sister who wanted to be moved. And, and it's not slighting her. It's just not where her calling was. For these sisters, they had such a relationship and wanted to serve God in such a way and they knew but that's they were exactly where they needed to be and the missionaries of charity my one experience is really in close in relationship with them was sharon doran and i were in rome and i had broken my foot it was on pentecost sunday a couple days after i had broken the foot Sharon had gotten me some crutches and i was able to go kind of slowly but we had a chance to go to the Mass. And as we were prepared to go into the Mass, if you've ever done that in Rome, great crowds will press to get the best seats in St. Peter's. And our group and everyone was racing to go get the seats. And I was just trying to get up the steps at St. Peter's. Yeah, just trying to keep up without getting crushed. And I'm looking down at the ground saying, oh, please just don't let him step on my foot. And as I was looking down at the ground, I was aware that all of a sudden I was surrounded by the sea of white, and I looked up, and I was enclosed in a circle of missionaries of charity. And they helped me up all those steps, got me to the doors of St. Peter's, looked at me and said, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good now. I can see where my party is, they have a seat for me. And they said, okay, good, and boom, they were gone. (laughs) They were racing (laughs) to get their seats. But for that little moment, just for that little moment, I was the poorest of the poor. And that's, that was their charism. That was what they witnessed to. And as I sat in Adoration Saturday and I was praying about this, and I thought I, I was kind of struggling with a, 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 something the Lord put on my heart to pray for, a situation. And it was something outside. It's in the secular world. And it seems so silly and frivolous to me compared to what these women who had just lost their lives I mean, and I said, Laura, are you really wanting me to pray and to enter into this? Mm-hmm. seems so silly. And the father kind of spoke in my heart. not I didn't hear a voice or anything like that, but deep in my heart. And he said, you know, Chris, you're bait. You're my bait. And I thought, oh, bait, what is that? I
1: feel like, <laughs> like a cum. worm.
0: What is that? And he led me to remember my dad used to have fly fish. Mm-hmm. And if you ever, you know, the, the bait is really beautiful. He said, you're, you're my bait, and I put you on a hook. And then again, the thought, oh, a hook? That sounds pr- terrible. And he said, yeah, it's called the cross. Your hook is the cross, and that's where you're placed on. And I'm, like the fl- I'm the fly fisherman, and I just throw the line out. I cast it out, and it lands right on the surface of the water. You're connected to me through that line. And as you're resting there, You know, you will, when you're bait, you're going to get chomped, you're going to get nibbled, and you may even get consumed. And then I catch the fish and I pull them in. And then I take you out and I may throw you right back in the water again. But you're connected to me. And I think the, the connection is his grace and his great love for us. We, the bait, I can't see why he's throwing me in that direction. I don't know why he's doing it the way he is. But he can see it. He knows exactly what he's casting for. And that's what God sometimes does with us. I'm not called to question what he's asking me to do in this moment. And those sisters who were thrown in Yemen, in that moment, he has them. And they joyfully allowed themselves to be consumed and to be a witness. And that's what Perpetua and Felicity, in a very real way. Perpetua is 22 years old and is probably one of the most compelling stories in, in Christian annals. The reason we know about her is because essentially she journaled. She was nobility or that class. Strata, yeah, right? at, in Carthage. And she had the ability to be able to write things down. So as she's in prison, she is essentially journaling, which is not an easy you can't run to the Target and get, you know, some legal pad and a pencil. I mean she had to be provided that. It tells the story of, here she is, she's a young mother, and the reason we know it's pretty much her writings is because she describes things in a way that only a woman would really understand, so much so that she has this little baby, this little boy. And she talks about the pain of her breast milk coming in, and she can't nurse her child. So, I mean, women out there, we know what that feels like, and it hurts, and she writes about that. In the story she's married, but we don't ever hear about her husband. We don't know what happened. We don't know if he rejected her because she had entered the catechumen and wanted to become a Christian, or if he was gone on a mission, or if he had died. We just don't know anything about Perpetua's husband. We do know that she had an incredibly close relationship with her father, And her father, when she became just enthralled with the love of Christ and wanted to become a Christian, you have to remember at that time, that nobility, that strata, you're essentially that celebrity of the area, okay? It's not unlike St. Cecilia. Celebrity status is not new to the 20th century. We've had them in every generation. And when she would become a Christian or want to become, it would attract others. So what would happen is her father begged her at first to not become a Christian, to renounce that, and she didn't. And then he got very angry with her and would, you know, threaten her. You do what you have to do as a father to try to save your child, because now the state is aware of what she's doing. They call her in before the emperor. She is not going to renounce her Christian faith, and her father is trying to save her life. She is taken to the jail, put in the prison, and her slave, essentially, servant, Felicity, wants to join her. It is a a tremendous witness to Christian friendship Mm -hmm. and that that tie that, that will help sustain one another. Perpetua, she's brought before the emperor again, said, will you renounce this? And she says, no, I will not do this. Her father, a proud Roman, okay, actually begs the judge to save his daughter, which is unusual for a father to even do that for a daughter in that age. They would do it for a son, but for a daughter, and yet his love for Perpetual was such that he was humiliating himself in front of everyone, begging her to renounce Christ and live, and begging the judge for mercy. But it doesn't happen.
1: describes in a way why can't she? Doesn't she just say in this very simple terms of, what she is, and why she can't denounce Christ?
0: She says she can't be anything else Mm -hmm. than what she is. I mean, this is truth to her, and she can't embrace anything but truth. In the prison, her child is brought to her so she could nurse. He's able to stay with her for a little time. Felicity is pregnant. She's concerned that they will not kill somebody who's pregnant in the arena. How merciful, right? (laughs) There's something sick about that, but she's so she's hopeful that she can give birth to her child so that she can go, because they know where their destiny is now. Felicity gives birth to yeah. a little girl, eventually, just, pr- just like a day or two before the martyrdom, and the child is raised by a Christian family. Even more so than being a mother, that call to being a mother, they have received some type of grace through their prayer, through their witness, through Jesus Christ, to be able to go and do what they needed to do. They are eventually led into the arena and I wish we had more time to be able to go in depth more about her journal. But this is probably one of the most uh, telling things. This would be written out, again, the journal and her experiences, and you can find them online too. It's called The Passion of Felicity and Perpetua. And you can read it yourself. But Putin's, who is the jailer, they think is probably the one that wrote this accounting, eyewitness accounting, that as they were being led into the arena, Perpetua grabbed tightly onto Felicity's hand, held on to uh, Rusticus, that's his name, was a, a young teenage boy who was a catechumen, and said to them, and I'm paraphrasing it, but essentially she said, keep your eyes firmly on Jesus. Call him, think of him. Second, Hold tight onto one another. And third, try not to do bad things when the pain comes. They would be separated. The guys would be taken in. And as you heard in the story earlier, they were devoured by beasts, uh, leopards, and different types of things. The girls were put into an arena. And this is how sick this is, because they're just playing with them. They are Essentially, it's a wild boar that goes after them. They gore them. She doesn't die instantly. A young gladiator who's a novice has to go and do the task of chopping her head off. He can't do it. And Perpetua, laying there after being gored, grabs the sword, puts it towards his neck, and looks up at him and smiles. And she's martyred. The story would be read for generations, centuries, Mm -hmm. and even to this day, 1800 years later, the the martyrdom, the, the witness, Why did God cast that bait out in that particular part of the sea? Well, for how many years now, 1800 years, we tell the story of that young mother and her friend, both young mothers who were able, whose love was so great, and uh, bore such witness, as did those four Sister Anselm, Sister Marguerite, Sister Judith, and Sister Reginette from uh, the Missionaries of Charity, bearing witness. As being great, great bait for the Lord, and I'm sure shining very much in glory now with Him. Don't forget what Perpetua said. Just make sure you keep your eyes on Him, hold we'll tight onto one another, and try not to do bad things when the pain comes. It's through that goodness. Goodness attracts. That's God. Amen.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, sweetie. Appreciate it.
0: Welcome. Okay, we're back on the spiritual journey. See, the question becomes: Can we be you and me? Can we be like Perpetua and Felicity, and like those four missionaries of charity sisters in Yemen, and like countless others who have gone before us to be that type of witness of trust, obedience, humility, and joy to the world, to be like Christ to others, to draw them to the Father? You see, I know it may sound rather provocative to some folks to hear me say that we are bait on the hook. Well, in essence, that's exactly what we become. And that whole imagery of fly fishing, of the father fly fishing, it really is an incredible sport. You have to just cast that line just so perfect, and it lands right on the top of the water between the sky and the world underneath the water. And you don't move. That's why they have such fancy bait. It has to look really beautiful, very attractive. The fish that the fisherman is trying to capture, they're drawn to that beauty. And you do nothing. You just lay and you wait and you be docile. And the father who is the master fisherman, he does it all. So the question really becomes, can you be that bait on the end of the hook? Or maybe better said, will you join Christ on the cross? Yes, there are the great martyrdoms, but two are the great sacrifices and the sufferings that take place in the little way. The little way of Saint Therese of Lisieux, and so many of the saints of the church, and so many of the Christians who may never be recognized as saints, but yet that is who they truly are. So, for me, anyway, when I offer that Christian witness and my obedience, hopefully, I become bait on the end of that hook of the Father's fishing rod, and He's going to cast that wherever He wills. Okay, here's the really good news. Jesus didn't leave us orphaned in this. We have a tremendous amount of grace that continues to pour out from that cross, and it's given to us through the Paschal Mystery as revealed to us in Word and Sacrament. We're going to talk briefly about that when we get back. I have a book recommendation for you, and we'll wrap it up on The Spiritual Journey. We'll return to The Spiritual Journey in just a moment.
1: Amen.
0: Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from inside the pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts Free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today.
1: If you have been blessed in some way by the spiritual nourishment and teachings offered freely by all those involved with Discerning Hearts programs, please consider a positive review for the various programs on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This is a great way to help the ministry and is an encouragement to others who are seeking the best in spiritual formation to find and check out the programs. Won't you please help? It's an easy way to help give back and to be a part of the mission. Thank you and God bless from all at Discerning Hearts.
0: We now return to The Spiritual Journey. Welcome back. I just wanted to recommend to you a few things on Discerning Hearts first and then that promised book recommendation. Be sure to check out the scriptural stations of the cross that we have available and also the scriptural rosary. And we obtained permission from the publishers of the Jerusalem Bible in England to be able to put that scriptural rosary together. And I think you'll really like it. And The scriptural stations of the cross are reflections that were offered by St. John Paul II back in 1991, and they're absolutely wonderful. So be sure to listen to that if you get an opportunity and pray with it. You can find it in the prayer section up in the menu at discerninghearts.com, or you can find it in the prayer section on the Discerning Hearts free app. You can also find the Scriptural Rosary on iTunes and Google Play. So that's kind of neat. If you can, leave a good rating and a nice comment. It helps the algorithms. It's not about so much about bolstering us, but it helps other people to come to find the material but are able to come and discover this rich, lovely garden of Our Lady. So if you can help us with that, that would be greatly appreciated also would have you listen to Crossing the Desert. We're running that right now with Deacon James Keating. He also has a wonderful series called The Heart of Hope, which is on suffering and the cross of Christ. That's The Heart of Hope by Deacon James Keating. And anything by Monsignor John Essif is going to help you get to enter more deeply into that great Paschal mystery. Okay, for the book recommendation. One of my all-time favorite spiritual authors is Adrienne von Speyer. And I was very blessed recently to be asked to write a short foreword for her book, The Cross, Word, and Sacrament. And so I thought I'd share with you that foreword. It's only a few paragraphs, but I think it will give you a flavor of why I so highly recommend this book. The foreword to The Cross, Word, and Sacrament by Adrian von Speyer and published by Ignatius Press. There is no greater mystery to be contemplated than the Paschal mystery. It fuels the life of the Christian in ways we will never fully comprehend. In this book, Adrian von Speyer leads us to the foot of the cross. With her gaze, we gaze upon the crucified Christ and listen deeply. The word who became flesh and made his dwelling among us, cries out in his suffering seven last words, and these open up the portals of divine grace that are known as the sacraments. Such mysterious gifts, which come at such an indescribable cost, deserve to be desired, cherished, reverenced, and contemplated. The cross, word, and sacrament will challenge surprise and ultimately encourage the reader to welcome the paschal mystery into his own life the arms of the son in humility and obedience to the will of the father achingly stretch out to embrace all of fallen humanity guided into the depths of this mystery by adrian von spire the reader encounters a very real jesus who knows us all too well and still loves us without end he speaks to us personally The words he utters from the cross contain not only gifts experienced in the sacraments of the Church, but also answers questions. Do you truly understand what is being offered to you? Will you accept my gifts? Will you suffer the mystery contained in such love? Few ponder the word as deeply as Adrienne. This book may be small, but it contains the spiritual richness that is the fruit of her meditation and contemplation. As a result, it calls the reader to conversion, which is not a static event, something that happens once in a lifetime, but a continual process of turning toward the Son, who leads us, in union with the Holy Spirit, into an ever-deepening relationship with the Father. Thus is the reader brought into the very life of the Trinity, that communion of love without end. And that's the foreword that I offered for Adrienne von Speyer's The Cross, Word, and Sacrament. I hope you'll pick up a copy. This brings a close to Episode 3 of the Spiritual Journey Podcast. I'm Chris McGregor. I hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support efforts here at Discerning Hearts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com. Join us next time for the Spiritual Journey podcast. And I pray, all my dear brothers and sisters, we'll pray for you as you discern your way through, listening carefully and deeply to the voice of the Father calling you home. And don't forget, trust and do whatever he tells you.